pickaxe. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on this show. I just feel, I don't know, I'm really excited to come on. I'm really nervous, but I'm excited for what I could take away from it. So, And what could you take away from it? Um, I guess what I really wanted to come on for is, sorry, I'm like such a crier. I really am. And some of this stuff is kind of hard for me to talk about. Um, but I feel like I would say 2012 to 2016, 17 were really horrible points in my life. There was just like, kind of like the series of events that happened and it was really That's a difficult long ass time yeah um it was i don't know it was really difficult and i feel like i've came to a point where i feel like the dust has kind of settled i guess and i'm ready to kind of process which is okay scary for me but i don't know okay um I know this sounds, I, I know I ask people to sometimes, like, can I think for a second? But can I just, can I pull that card out now? Can I play that card? Because yeah. you just actually just shared a lot. And I, I need a moment to think about, because I'm hearing a lot of different stuff from you. So let me think out loud. So first thing is that I'm hearing you facing something by coming on here today. Um, yeah. I, I'm hearing that it's hard for you in some ways. I'm hearing that also, like, I just have to just take a step back and think about, you said 2012 to 2016 or 17 was a hard period. That's years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I could go into detail. Okay. You know, I'm ready to go into detail kind okay, of. Okay. Go for it. Oh God. I mean, it is like a lot of years. It's a long story. Um, but I feel like it all kind of started out. And this is like particularly, sorry, I'm such a crier. So why do you apologize um, for being a crier? Let's talk about that. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of, um, ah, I'm like, I can't believe I'm already getting emotional. I was going to try to hold it together. Um, so can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah. Okay. I, I understand <laughs> that you want to tell a story, but let's stop and just look at, so you're having an emotional reaction and I'd like to understand what about holding it together is important? Why can't you come on and be a shit show from second 29? I guess I'm just like afraid that it'll like kind of spiral. Like I feel like a lot of it has been kind of stuff that I've been suppressing mm -hmm. for a long time because I'm afraid of like the outcome, I guess. What's the outcome that you're afraid of? Um... I don't know. I feel like kind of like processing it is just going to put me out for a while, you know, like mentally. <laughs> yeah, um, that's going to happen. <laughs> and I guess the idea of like, you know, like being put out and maybe not being able to do my job, you know, my job since I'm a streamer as well as I could is scary to me. <laughs> sure. So, so, uh, so and it, it is, gets Casey Tron. Yeah. Okay. So Casey Tron, um, I think that all of those are really valid concerns. And I do think that, um, you know, at the end of an emotional conversation or dealing with your emotions, you're going to be exhausted and yeah. it may impact your ability to stream. And that's normal. And in my overwhelming experience, generally speaking, like a week or two from now, your people tend to be in a better place, although sometimes they aren't. And if they aren't, yeah. 
you know, if, if, if this, if your conversation today has ripple effects that you're having difficulty dealing with, please let us know. And we'll try to either support you ourselves or like connect you with the appropriate support so that you can kind of get through that. Cause I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to like, you know, if you open a can of worms and you have to deal with that shit, I don't want to leave you hanging. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think, I think it could spiral and I'm here. Yeah. So, so Thank we'll try you. to help you with that spiral. Um, also, so is Twitch chat. And right. they can actually surprise you from time to time if you lean on them. Oh, and, you know, they really do. And I guess, like, that's one of the other things that I wanted to say is, like, you know, like you said, it was, like, such a kind of long period of time. And really, during this time, like, the only positive thing I had was Twitch. You know, that was kind of my escape, I guess. Mm. So, I I don't know. I always just, like, think of Twitch very fondly. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, me too. So you want to, you want to dive in? Yeah. Um, so I feel like it all kind of starts out and it doesn't really start out in 2012, but, um, so I don't know, I guess to summarize, um, I was with my boyfriend for a long time. I was really close with his family. Like I had even moved in with them and his younger brother was diagnosed with a really bad form of childhood cancer and he passed away in oh 2012 God. it was this is probably like one of the harder things for me to talk about but it was really hard sometimes the visuals from it is i don't know just still really bothersome to me mm -hmm. um sounds like they really burned an image in your mind yeah um it was just, you know, like I've had, I've had family members pass away from cancer. You know, we all have, but just something about it being a child was just, especially like a child that I was really close to. I was one of his main caregivers. You know, we were very involved. He was very mm -hmm. sick. You know, they needed as much help as possible. I was actually, I was actually holding his hand whenever he passed away. And just like the way that he, the way the cancer had just eaten him alive. Uh, it was it's really, brutal. really hard. Yeah. So that's, I feel like kind of where the turmoil starts. And during this time, my mom had relapsed on meth and it was like after this had happened, I never really was able to process it because my mom along with my stepdad who was extremely extremely abusive to her had both relapsed on meth and this went on for it was like a very abusive relationship for three or four years like I thought he was gonna kill my mom and he didn't um but yeah I guess that's like kind of really summarizing it shit that's a lot any one of those is hmm. so Casey Tron how do you what do you think about all that stuff I mean that's a lot um it's really weird looking back on it now because I remember then feeling like so um 
I don't know, like so grown up, like such an adult. And whenever I like think back at it now, you know, whenever I'm almost 30, like I think like I was in my early 20s, you know, whenever this had sure. started happening. And um, I, I don't know, like, I guess whenever I look back at it now, I just think like, how was I able to deal with it? Um, like, I feel like I couldn't do it again. Yeah. No, I, I think that that makes sense. How do you, how do you feel like you were able to deal with it? Um, I feel like I just wasn't really able to feel for, I don't know, like several years, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like that was like really the only way I could go on. I don't know. Like, I guess I really summarized the, the abuse that my mom dealt with, but it was just, God, it was just so relentless. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I hate calling him my stepdad. I don't want to call him by name, obviously. Like, I don't want to say his name or anything to, um, is there so, any is there any danger to you or your mom or anyone else if you talk about this more in a public setting? No. Because we would need to think there, about that and make sure that No, there isn't. Um he's been out of our lives for completely, I would say about three years now. Okay. Um but I guess another thing that's kind of hard about it is um he was in my life like ever since I was five years old you know um and he had never really been that abusive to my mom he had hit her you know like i think maybe can a I, few can times can i just stop you there yeah i want you to listen to this sentence he had never really been that abusive to my mom right you know which like, and i think that's that's something that I've came to realize more and more since I've been kind of processing it is, you know, abuse is abuse, no matter yep. what. And it's just like, I remember then it just didn't really click, you know, it just, even to like, I guess, like other family members, um, you know, it was like, everybody was upset about it, like the times that it had happened and it was awful, but it just, you know, it got brushed off, I think, as like a lot of those situations do, right? Um, and then, um, with the relapse, it was just like, it got so bad. Like I, I, there was probably, like I said, like a four year period where I did not see my mom without some sort of like bruise or concussion or stitches or something like something like for four years. And because she was using at the time, it was really hard to get her to leave which i don't really you know hold any resentment why not um um i guess i hold more resentment towards him you know because at any point he could have left why didn't he like why didn't he at any point you know, just leave and stop terrorizing my family because that's what it felt like. Just like three, four, five years of just like utter terror. Um, there was, 
um, I, it, it was just like, it went on so much. Like I can't even like begin to describe. It was like a daily thing. Like my mom would call me and a lot of the time I would be streaming and she would just hang up and I'd be like, oh fuck. And just turn off my stream and drive over there. It would just be like this all the time. Um, after my grandma passed away, it got even worse. I remember literally the day of my grandma's funeral, he broke into the house and he attacked my mom in the shower and just beat the shit out of her. And she had like a huge knot on the side of her head at the funeral. And it was like, everybody knew. Um, I don't know. There was a time I have a younger brother who was, he wasn't physically abused by him. He was only physically abusive to my mom because it was the person that he could get away with it, right? Um, but he would be very mentally abusive to my younger brother. My younger brother has autism, and it's actually his biological son. He would say things like he was retarded, and he wished he wouldn't have been born, and that he wasn't his. And My brother still struggles with that a lot. Um, I don't know, like, I guess just in a lot of ways, it's just like, I've, it's like my family still struggles with it every day. Um, my mom lives with me what, too. And my is mom the struggle? is- What is the struggle that you guys deal with? My mom has pretty severe paranoia. Um, and it's, in a lot of ways I think it's just because she was used to being beaten every day for so long it's just like she's constantly in this like kind of fight or flight and I feel like in a lot of ways I kind of am too um I was wondering but, if we'd get to you right I don't know if you've noticed but you're talking about everyone else you see that I guess yeah and I guess throughout all of this, it was like, I was, I was the person, you know, like I was the person who had to be there for my family. Like I'm the oldest. Um, I had to take on a lot. Uh, what did you take you know, on? Um, you know, my mother and my younger brother started living with me. It, it was kind of back and forth with my mom. Like I said, she was you know, under the influence. And it was difficult because, you know, she wouldn't stay clean. So like during all of this going on, it was really hard not to be angry with her because of her constant use. And I guess the other thing that made it really difficult is whenever my grandma passed away, she got, you know, like a pretty decent inheritance. So she got, she got like a hundred thousand dollars. So it was just like, she had limitless income. So it was very exhausting. <laughs> it was very exhausting. What was exhausting dealing with about it? It was just like you couldn't keep up. It was like here my mom was with this really extremely abusive person. And um, she had just like inherited all this money. She was a user. And it was just like, great, here's like you know, a two, three year amount of time where it's like, she's never going to run out of money just to continuously 
abuse, right? I don't know. Um, Sounds like just you got, couldn't stop it. Yeah, it was, you know, completely out of my control. All I could really do was just like stand by and watch, you know, um, because during this time I was successful and doing well on Twitch. Like I earned enough to be able to take care of my younger brother. And, you know, my mom was able to stay at my house sometimes, but it would get really frustrating because, you know, she would like show him where I lived. Like there would always be like this point where, she, you know, she'd like try to sneak him around and she would keep seeing him, which like, I don't blame her for. I don't really hold any resentment towards her for it. Um, Not even a tiny just, bit? Um, maybe a tiny bit, I guess. I try not to. Ah, that I can get behind. Try not to, I can make sense to me. But it, it boggles my mind that... I mean, it sounds like you were carrying the world on your back. And it sounds like... I mean, I can just... I'm just putting myself in my shoes. I would feel... Probably incredibly frustrated that she didn't help more and i can imagine i'm gonna keep talking for a second okay and i can imagine that i would want to try to forgive her and i would forgive her and i could still harbor resentment and i would try to keep that resentment at bay and i would try to decide that i'm going to be a good person and it's not her fault and at the same time i would still in the deepest darkest parts of my soul i would have anger and resentment yeah yeah, I guess I would say that that's pretty true. Like, there's a part of me that, like, really resents, you know, that, you know, I guess during my come up on Twitch, because during this time that all of this was happening, I was, um, you know, like, kind of having my breakout moment, I guess, and I couldn't really focus on it. There were times where I remember, like, I would have, Sounds you know, like you were robbed of joy. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, now that I think about it, Casey Tron, what I'm hearing more and more from you is that you got robbed of so many things. Yeah. It's really, like you said, it's really hard for me to talk about it, like, in reference to myself. Um... I think a lot of it just has to do with me maybe being the oldest. And then, like I said, just feeling like I've had to be kind of the protector um, for my family. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What's it like to be the protector? Um, exhausting. Can I think for a second, Casey Tron? Yeah. How are you holding up? I'm starting to kind of calm down a little. I guess I'm just like really kind of, um, I, I guess like a part of me is kind of embarrassed because I just sound so white trash, you know? Um, and I guess like I'm kind of worried, you know, what people think. Sure. 
Whose fault is it that you sound the way that you do? Um, in what way? Like, whose fault is it that I sound? Yeah, you say you sound like you're white trash. Uh And I'm saying, like, who's responsible for those circumstances or the the story that you're telling? I don't know. I guess my parents. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important to remember that. Right? Because, like, I I know in in time... Anyway, I'll get to that in a second, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that I'm not going to try to argue with you that you sound like white trash. But what I would encourage you to remember is there is an infinite amount of distance between sounding like white trash and being white trash. Because I'm not hearing any iota of you being white trash. In fact, I'm hearing quite the opposite. I'm hearing a story of courage and dependability of resilience and pain and odds stacked heavily heavily against you yeah thank you and ultimately i'm hearing the story of triumph with a terrible terrible cost what do you think about that i think that i don't i don't know i guess i don't give myself enough credit i can be very critical of myself yep we're not really seeing a whole lot of it yet but i imagine it's down there oh god it's sorry like i said i'm like such a crier and this is just like not easy i can imagine to talk about do you want to talk about this i do okay um i do want to talk about it um i don't know like i feel like one of the things that I feel like one of the things that really helps me is just, like, not that I would want anybody to have the same sort of issues, but, you know, finding, you know, that people can relate to it. And I feel like if somebody can kind of, you know, relate to my story in some way and not feel so alone, you know, then that's what it's all about, right? Like, Do you feel alone? Sometimes, yeah. Um... I guess mm-hmm. uh, I guess I've just like always felt not normal and I don't know I wouldn't say like I don't feel like I've had some super unfortunate life or anything like that why the um, fuck not by the way <laughs> I have like this really I think that's I don't know, absurd in Casey Tron I have like this really I have this thing that I do, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, Ricky, that was who passed away. He was only seven. I think a lot of it kind of has to do with that. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways that warped my reality a lot. And in a lot of ways, like, I just feel like this need to feel grateful no matter what. And I feel like sometimes I kind of use it as a cop out, and I'm kind of you know, coming to that realization, like, fairly recently. Like I, like you said, I think it's good to feel grateful. Um, but I feel like a lot of the time I use it as, like, a way of not allowing myself to feel. Yep. Why um, do you feel like you have to be... Oh, okay. Can I jump in? Can I... Yeah. I've been trying my best to listen. Yeah. But I have, I have a, a lot of thoughts. 
Okay. So is it okay if I ask a couple of questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, you got to let me know if me asking questions makes things easier for you or harder for you. So I'm going to check in with you okay. about that in like five to 10 minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, so when you say you with Ricky, when he passed away, you somehow came away with the conclusion that you have to be grateful no matter what. Yeah. What's up with that? Um, I guess. I guess I just feel grateful for my health and my family's health every day. Um, I guess I have like a lot of like selfish feelings sometimes in reference to that, like um, guilt. Um, One of the, which is kind of funny, but one of the things that I have issues with a lot is just because he was very into video games <laughs> one of the things that i have issues with a lot is um playing video games sometimes which is weird since i'm a twitch streamer right um what but kind usually of issues like do you have um like any time a game comes out that i know he would have liked um it's just like difficult i don't want to play it um Sure. What makes it uh, hard to play? Because it just feels like he is like missing out on something that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and and I know I've asked you a couple of times if you're if I should call you Caseytron. I have trouble. It just it's having I'm having trouble getting that to roll. Oh, uh, you my can tongue. call me Casey. That's okay. fine. Thank you very much. So. <laughs> Casey, um, I'm going to just ask you a question. So I'm going to ask you, are you in a place where you think you can reflect on a statement that I make? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you a scenario. Let's say that we have a 23-year-old girl who has essentially a brother who is dying of cancer and dies of cancer at the age of seven. And then she says that based on this experience, I feel grateful and selfish. Does that add up to you? No. What do you imagine that person should feel? Like, what would you predict that person to feel if they lose a seven-year-old, basically what sounds like brother, and watch them wither away to cancer? Um, sad. Yep. What else? I don't know I guess maybe a little bit I don't know how else to say like fucked up from it absolutely (laughs) and you know what the fucked up looks like it looks like you saying that you're grateful and selfish that's the fucked up people dying of cancer does not make other people grateful And, and what I see within you is a war between the ocean of negativity and the bastion of positivity. Yeah. Right. I, I, and, and I think what we're dealing with here is like, and sorry, I'm going to jump around. Okay. So if, if, yeah. it's, if it, I don't make sense, please let me know. So what I'm hearing from you overall is like loans and debts. 
Like you're like, how was I able to do this? And you're spiraling out of control now. Like basically, I think you took an emotional loan and now you're paying back that debt. Because yeah. that's what we do. Because for a long time, years, it sounds like you had to be strong. But that strength doesn't come from nowhere. That's like you're, you're taking out a loan against future earnings. There's, a, there's an emotional price to be paid. Yeah. And now the devil wants us due. And oddly enough, that's a good thing because that's what healing looks like. Because right. there's a lot of hurt that you have built up and kept. And there are weird ways that your mind has struggled to survive. I don't blame you for that. But like, look, I mean, come on. Yeah. You watch a seven-year-old die of cancer and that you're saying, I'm great. Like what? Like I get where that comes from. I think it's amazing <laughs> yeah. that you could do that. I think it's the only way you can survive that. Right. Because if you let the dam loose and the negativity comes, you could not afford to spiral then. Like how the fuck are you supposed to spiral when you have a brother with autism, you know, this kid dying of cancer in your house and your mom is using meth? Like there's no, like you can't afford to pay that emotional price then. And so you're paying it now. Yeah. And, and I guess I've come to that realization in a lot of ways. How so? Can you help us understand that a little bit? Um, I don't know. Like lately I've been, cause like I said, like, I feel like I use like this, I like I'll constantly always like refer to like, you know, there's people who have it worse and you know, if anything, I should just feel grateful that I'm here and I'm in good health and, you know, everything's okay. Um, I feel like sometimes I just don't want to ask for much more than that, I guess, in a way. Yeah. What makes, like, how do you feel like, yeah. How does it feel to ask for more? Like I'm being selfish. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess like, I just feel like things like there was just like a point in my life where it just felt like things were so bad like where I'm at now where things are you know like not that bad a lot better like I just feel like I don't want to ask for much more than that you know mm -hmm. <sighs> so I think there's something subtle and potentially dangerous here yeah. the first is that I think it's important to have gratitude. And I think I hear from you genuine gratitude. Yeah. Right. So it's important to acknowledge where you come from. Like I have a lot of gratitude around where my parents came from and what I have. Um, I have it really, really good. And my parents didn't. Yeah. And, and so I think it's important to express gratitude and acknowledge that. And it sounds like you really do have a lot of things to be grateful for. How are you doing, by the way? I'm doing okay. I'm starting to you know it's like like i said i'm just like very anxious you know it's embarrassing what's I guess. embarrassing about it i don't know like i guess i'm just like i know it's so like i know i shouldn't be but it's hard not to worry what people will think of me or how they'll think of me differently why shouldn't you, know? you worry what people think about you of course you should worry yeah Casey, you make one mistake, which is that you just invalidate the way that you feel. That's, I, yeah, right? So like, of course you're going to be worried. Like who the fuck, when you come onto the internet and you talk about how you grew up in 
your words. I, I don't, I'm sort of saying this yeah. to make a point in a white trash household. Yeah. Like, how do people think about people who grow up in white trash households? Now, I think the really cool thing about your story is that it is overwhelmingly clear to me that you are not white trash, even though I'll, I'll acknowledge 100% that it may look like white trash. Yeah. And it's okay for you to be afraid of being judged. Yeah. And, and this is, this is the, the basic issue that I see is that like, you don't let yourself feel bad things. You're not allowed to be afraid of being judged for white trash. I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel angry. Yeah. Like breaking out on Twitch is supposed to be fucking awesome. Yeah. And Casey, I don't know how to say this, but like you got robbed. Yeah. I've I I don't know, like I I was talking about resentment earlier and um how I don't hold any resentment and I I do, you know, I do to a certain degree. I try not to. Um, I think there was a time where I felt a lot more resentment. Like, I feel like I've gotten a little bit better about it in the past year or two. Um, but there was definitely a time where I was really frustrated with my mom because it did feel like I was robbed. Hey, Casey, you got to let me know if I'm going to be an asshole, Okay. Because yeah. I'm going to say something to you. I think it could be hurtful to you. But at the same time, I feel like it's important to say, not so much for you, but for everyone else out there. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So do you blame your mom? Um, it's hard to. I don't know. I it's completely just, agree. It's hard it's to. It's hard to. Okay. especially just... Seeing how she is now, it's hard to. Okay. Um, I don't know. Okay. So let me ask you another question, okay? We're going to think a little bit like analytically, and hopefully that'll help from an emotional perspective. Yeah. So can I forgive someone who didn't do anything wrong to me? I guess you can forgive anyone for any reason. But if they to. didn't do anything wrong, like, can I forgive someone for throwing me an awesome birthday party? No. Why not? Because they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of interesting because I see this a lot where like the people that we love, we try not to blame them, which is wonderful. And at the same time, there's a very subtle problem here, which is like, it gets you stuck. Yeah. Right. You can love her. You can appreciate what she did for you. You can acknowledge that there's a disease here and it was like a roll of the dice and it may not be fair to blame her, but I think you should absolutely blame her anyway. Yeah. There, what, I, what, I, what I would really love, I think the direction you need to go is to not be one-sided. To acknowledge that, like, at the end of the day, like, it sounds like you were the mom and she was the kid. That's yeah. not fair to you. 
And I think that as much as addiction is a disease and like in my day job, I'm an addiction psychiatrist, so I get this. But I think not holding people who have addiction problems accountable for their actions doesn't actually help. Yeah. And, and the concern that I have for you is that like, I don't think you can forgive her if you don't admit that she did something wrong. Now, that's kind of interesting because maybe she didn't do something wrong or maybe you've already forgiven her. Maybe you don't need to forgive her. But generally speaking, when I hear a story like this, I think about something called dharma, which means duty or responsibility. And I think yeah. that like the way for this, is my value system, you don't have to agree with this. It's just something that I'd like you to think about is that like when you have a relationship where some, like you can love someone, but actually the way to move forward is to like, look at it like it is and say, Hey, this really sucks for me. It really wasn't fair. And I forgive you for it. Because that's what healing looks like. It's not saying nothing bad happened to you because that's how you end up with gratitude for watching a seven-year-old die of cancer. Like, sure, there's gratitude there. There's an appreciation for life. I get all those things. I've watched seven-year-olds die of cancer too, and it's not pretty. Yeah. And at the same time, it's given me an appreciation for life. And I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for those experiences because it helps you understand the depth of suffering that's possible in this world. And it fucking sucks to go through, and it's not fair. Right. And I felt guilty for having health, and that's not fair either. It's not my fault that I'm, you know, it's like, it's weird. Like, I'm not self, I mean, I felt selfish too. Yeah. And at the same time, huh? (laughs) My dogs. (laughs) It's okay. What is it like listening to me talk? Um, sorry, my dogs. Um, I don't know. I guess in a lot of ways, I always say that it's like I, sorry, my dogs, I have two beagles and they just bark nonstop. Um, do they need some attention? I, do they, are they sensing uh, a disturbance my, in the force in terms of yeah, your my mom's getting them, I think. Um, but I guess talking to you is really helpful because I feel like I've never really had like a, parental guidance I guess like that's one of the things that I really struggle with is I feel like a lot of people are able to talk to you know like their mom or their dad about things and you know both of my parents are like the last people I would ever want to talk to sure yeah I mean I I think that that makes a lot of sense to me and I think there are a couple of other things to think about here which is that oh man okay so I'm I'm glad so um I'm, I'm happy to hear that I'm happy to sort of fill somewhat of a parental figure in your life. Um, I think I, I do want to, mm, let me just think about where to take the conversation. Any thoughts that you have or any questions or anything that you want to kind of dig more into or, cause I, I have guess, a lot, but. Um, I, I don't know. There are like just a lot of different, I feel like there's a lot of different elements of, I guess, my story that I feel like I need to dig into. Okay. Um, I guess one of the things that I really still struggle with a lot is just trying to wrap my mind around all of the really awful abuse and just how there was like really no justice. And like I said, like, I feel like my family still suffers with it every day. And it's like, he just, 
got away with it. And, you know, it's like, I doubt he thinks about, you know, how it's affected my family. There's like a lot of anger there, I guess. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, what is what happens in your head when you think about him getting away with it? Like he's left destruction and ruin in his wake and he gets to move on and y'all are left in a, sh in a city of shambles. It just feels really unfair and unjust. And I, gosh, I don't want to get banned for saying this, but there were, you know, like throughout the, years where this went on there were definitely times where i would like talk to my sister and just be like man i wish i could kill him not that i ever would but you know of course it's hard not to have those thoughts whenever you just have somebody sure. just like relentlessly terrorizing your family like sure i think it's good that you didn't give in to those thoughts right um and i mean i never would but it was something that Sure. I, you know, um, there was it just was like every day, like I, like I, like I said, it was just like it went on just like so much, and it was just like so regular. Like he would, you know, steal money from my mom. He stole my mom's car. He, there was a time where he like made my brother get in the trunk of a car and he stabbed my mom and said that they, he was going to kill them. He like drove for four hours and made my brother get in the trunk of a car and he stabbed my mom like three times. Um, I don't know. I just think about it and I'm just like, how did he get away with it? Like how did nothing happen to him? And I know that it's, it's because my mom was too afraid to, press charges or anything but it was just there were times where I would have to go over there and he would usually like leave around the time where like I showed up he'd just like take off because he was afraid I was going to call the cops or something I don't know and my mom would just like beg me she'd be like will you just stay here Will you just stay? Like, if he sees you're here, he won't come. He'll leave me alone. And I would just have to just stay over at my mom's. <sighs> just because I guess I was, like, some sort of protection. <sighs> What's it like to have that kind of responsibility? It was, whenever I look back at it now, it seemed, whenever I look back at it now, it seems really scary, but I remember then not really being afraid, I guess. Um, no. Sounds unfair to me. 
Sounds yeah. like a lot on your shoulders. Yeah. Sounds hard. Exhausting. Superhuman, yeah. even. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as superhuman? I guess on a good day. <laughs> I go back I'm really and happy forth. to hear like, that. I have moments where I feel, I guess, like very strong and resilient, but then moments where not so much. And what do you feel in those moments? Like, um, like I'm capable of dealing with whatever's thrown my way, I guess. Like I can overcome anything. What do you feel in the moments where you don't feel like that? Um, really, um, I guess because I have kind of had to be a bit of a provider um, in moments where I don't feel like that, like I just feel like like a complete failure, like, you know, like you said, like I feel like I do carry a lot in my shoulders and I have, you know, my mom and my younger brother live with me. Um, like I feel stress that I won't be able to provide for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like, that's scary to me. Yeah. Do you feel like you've let people down? Um, no. I don't really feel like that at all. I'm happy to hear that, too. It sounds I think like it'll... Mm, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I think I do well, I guess, um, coping with things in some way, but then I just do kind of a really bad job in other ways. It's like I'm somewhat there, but I don't know. Like, one of the things that I always say, and I didn't realize, like, how wrong it was to say until I would say, like, the past, like, five or six months is um I always say that my mom raised me to the best of her ability <laughs> like she did the best that she was capable of doing and mm -hmm. you know like I'm grateful for that I guess and I haven't realized until recently that that's just like another kind of like cop-out excuse that I kind of use. What are you excusing? How are you copping out? Like, I don't want to say that my mom was a bad mother, but she, I see, like, I'll always say like, she was the best mother that she was capable of being. And she tried in the ways that she could, but you know, like, I feel like if I'm, I guess if I were looking at it from an outside perspective, I would be like, yeah, that's a pretty bad mom. You so know? What, what is the cop-out? Is the cop-out that you're not holding her responsible for yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So. I would agree with that. So I, I actually had this precise scenario with one of my first therapy patients where I noticed that he said that his dad did the best that he could. Yeah. And then one day I realized he never said that his dad did a good job. Yeah. He said that he did the best that he could. Yeah. And I, I think that there's some, there's some middle ground between understanding that she did the best that she could and also understanding that she didn't do a great job and understanding that you can forgive her because you love her and also that like you deserved better yeah right and i think this is the tricky thing about the mind is that we try to do things like it's like it's really hard for us to not be either or it's like a or b it's like true, false. No, it's not. It's like, it's free answer. It's like an essay question. Yeah. Right. And, and what I'm really hearing from you, and I think what's important for you is to, to really acknowledge, like, I mean, you can be grateful and you can be strong and you can be all of these things, but they're also like the, uh, there's like the underbelly to all this shit, which is Casey, this is awful. This entire story is just, it's, it's bad, man. And yeah. And like, I, I, I'm not trying to blame anyone. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying like objectively when I hear this, it's like, you know, any one of those things is enough to really just destroy someone. Watching a seven-year-old die of cancer, that's enough. Having a mom who uses meth, that's enough. Having an abusive stepdad, that's enough. Having a brother with autism, that can be really hard. Yeah. Right. Because like you want so much for him and it, and it can be hard sometimes when people have autism, like caregivers really suffer because you recognize that it can be hard for him to be happy. And that's really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, gosh, I love, you know, like I love my brother so much and I always tell him that he's one of the strongest people I know. And it is really difficult to see, um, you know, how he has dealt with the abuse as well, because I don't know, like, it's like my whole family has like, like my brother definitely has PTSD. My mom has PTSD. I have PTSD. Like, you guys ever gotten treatment for it? No. Um, yeah, so that needs to happen at some point. Yeah, it's you know, it's hard because, sure. um, you know, like I do come from like a low income family. Um, mm -hmm. the only time where my mom has been able to get like any mental health care, I guess, is whenever she hasn't been like earning enough. And it's like, you know, oh, if you make $12 an hour, that's too much, yep. <laughs> which is just a joke, but you live in the U uh, S yeah. After we're done with this call, can, um, you know, after we're done with the stream, like, let me know what state you're in. And then I'd love to have a conversation with you about maybe how to game plan in terms of how to get mental health treatment. Because I think there's no doubt in my mind that that would be very helpful for all of you. It's, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to say like it wouldn't, it's just really, really difficult with my mom. Um, sure. My but mom is very... 
I don't really know. How, like my mom, like I said, she has really extreme paranoia and she like literally thinks that like everybody is an undercover cop or spy. She thinks that our house is bugged. She thinks that like her phone is bugged. Like if she were to go to a counselor, so there, there's just like, a, it's really hard. Cause she, I don't know. She's one of those. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it has to do with like all of the abuse it, and she'll still, even though it's been, it's been like three years, she still like acts like he's out to get her. Like I, it's, I don't know. It just like kind of puts another obstacle with, you know, what about you? Like, as far as me getting, like, um, I I guess I've just always kind of, like, had a hard time, like, I don't know, like, I guess I, it's hard for me to talk to therapists, because I feel like there's just, like, with Twitch, I feel like there's just this whole element of my life that's, like, really hard for them to kind of understand. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that for a minute, okay? So the first thing is that, like, you know, what we're talking about doesn't have much to do with Twitch, right? Yeah. And the, yeah. Second, the second thing <laughs> is is that, that and but I, I get what you're saying. I don't want to invalidate what you said because I think it's an important statement. I've heard this story time and time and time yeah. again that, you know, a lot of our community goes and seeks mental health treatment. And sure, like, the, you know, a therapist can understand, you know, growing up in an abusive household, but they can't understand you. And they absolutely need to understand you. They can't treat like the PTSD in isolation because a good therapist has to understand who you are as a person and gaming culture, streaming culture, Twitch are a part of that. So I get what you're saying. I don't think that you can go there and just talk about this and that's going to actually be effective as bizarre as that sounds. What I would encourage all of y'all to do, though, is explain it to them. Yeah. So as a therapist, there are all kinds of things that I don't understand. And at the top of the list is I have some clients who are women. Yeah. I don't understand what that's like. I can't understand what that's like. And if you work with a therapist, it's actually your responsibility to try to get them to understand. And if they're a half-decent therapist, they'll do their best. And one of the most interesting things that you can learn about this stuff is when you start to explain streaming culture and Twitch and your life to them, you are going to understand more about it than you ever realized. It can actually be one of the most therapeutic things to like explain to someone like what's stressful about your job, right? Teaching is where you actually like really solidify your understanding. So I I would just strongly encourage you. And like I said, we can have a you know, second conversation about logistics and stuff, because I, I really do think, Casey, that you, you need like tried and true mental health treatment. And I know that a lot of people think that this is mental health treatment, but it really isn't. It's night and day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said earlier, like, I feel like I'm like at a point where I'm ready. And I feel like this is kind of just like me, like opening myself up to the Good. idea, yeah. you know, like, I feel like this is kind of like a takeoff point. I mean, I do, I, I guess I, I do have some other things like I, I, I haven't mentioned this yet, but um, 
uh, my marijuana use. Um, I guess a lot of, like, um, I, I'm a marijuana user. I, and I actually do have a medical license for it. Um, so I, I don't know, like, I guess I do self-medicate. Um, and I don't think that marijuana is like a terrible thing. Like, honestly, like, I feel like in a lot of ways it helped, it has helped me a lot. Um, but I do acknowledge that I guess my usage has gotten pretty bad. Like I smoke too much. Um, sure. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with anxiety. Like, I feel like what I struggle with the most, like from all of this is just anxiety. Like I, um, feel restless a lot it's hard for me to sit down it's hard for me to stay you know like I just constantly like have these wondering thoughts um I guess sometimes I I just get really really anxious about something bad happening I guess like I just get so anxious that something bad is going to happen again you know to just like bring me back to that or like it could get like that again is what I guess is one of my main fears. Yeah. Uh, so let me say something about that. So in my experience, anxiety is a chameleon. Yeah. Or actually, sorry, anxiety isn't a, trauma is a chameleon and it can look like all kinds of other things. It can look like anxiety. It can look like depression. It can look like substance use. But when you say I'm worried that something bad is going to happen again, that speaks to me more about trauma than anxiety. And I think generally speaking, I detest the term anxiety because people use it as an umbrella term. Yeah. It's like you're afraid that something bad is going to happen again, not because you have an anxiety problem, but because you live in a world where real bad shit can happen. And so that's your brain telling you, hey, this can happen. So let's worry about it. Because if we worry about it, then we can do something about it. Then it won't catch us off guard. It's your brain trying to help you out. But that's, I mean, it sounds to me really more like trauma than anxiety. And there may be anxiety in there. I guess I've never looked at it that way, I guess. You know, like like you said, I, I don't know. I guess I really didn't know how to think of what I was feeling. And I guess what made the most sense to me was anxiety. Like I've never thought of it like I'm, you know, like it's just trauma and I'm scared of like reliving that, I guess. Um, but I feel like sometimes like I'll just be like you said, like I'm constantly kind of, I don't know, I guess preparing myself for something like that. Like I feel like a lot of times I can be kind of hyper vigilant. Like there are just certain things like I feel like I kind of like the most recent thing um, with Corona I was one of those people who went out and stockpiled because I was just so afraid. I was like, I don't want anything bad to happen to my family. And then I think, you know, just with um, the loss to cancer and that just being so rare, you know, it's so extremely rare that a child dies of cancer like that. It just made it all the more real that my family could be one of those people. I feel yeah. like I just feel like there's certain like I I think that there's I guess there's being like worried but I feel like a lot of the time I see myself like going the next step. Sure. 
and and that's because most people worry, but the next step is a hypothetical for them. For you, unfortunately, it's a reality. Yeah. And that's what trauma looks like. So hypervigilance is one of the main diagnostic criteria for PTSD. Right? It's like the the classic story that people hear is like a a, a war veteran who like, you know, hears like a, a car muffler go off or or something like that, or a door slam shut, and they're like always on the lookout. And that's not they're not mentally ill. That's their brain training them. Hey, if this sound happens, we need to react first and think later. That's yeah. what trauma does to us, right? Like if I get bit by a snake, I'm going to be paranoid about ropes that look like snakes in dark rooms. And, yeah. and what you're kind of describing, I mean, like I think trauma is really like it's the real trickster of mental health because it can look like all kinds of things. It can look like paranoia. Yeah. It can look like substance use. It can look like anxiety. It can look like depression. And and this is where, you know, sometimes the analogy that I use with people is like, you can plant a seed and the seed turns into a plant. And then if I ask you, Casey, show me where the seed is in the plant. Can you find it? In the roots? I guess. Is the seed in the roots? I dig up the plant. I look at all the roots. Is there a seed there? <laughs> um, I guess in the blossom it grew. I don't know. The short answer is it isn't, right? Yeah. It used to look, it started in yeah. one way and then it turned into something else. <laughs> Although you yeah. can also say that just because I can't find the seed, the plant is absolutely there. And without the seed, it would have never existed, even though it looks completely different. So in your case, something happened to you where a seed was planted and over a decade, it has turned out to look like something else. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you want to go back and really free yourself of this, I think you got to go back to where it started. And there are a couple of things here, which we haven't even scratched the surface of, which I don't even know if you've ever thought about. Yeah. But I, I wonder long and hard about when you were young, like, cause you feel selfish for having needs, right? Yeah. yeah. And so like the interesting thing is like, that's not because you're a good person. In fact, like it has like nothing to, I mean, sure. Like you're a good person, but generally speaking, people who feel like they're selfish for having basic needs are taught that it's selfish to have basic needs. Yeah. We believe the things that we were taught, right? Like our I, thoughts and our opinions. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say like I've been thinking about this recently I don't know I feel like it was never that anybody like told me oh you can't have this certain thing or you can't do this certain thing I just remember being very young and always just Casey but they absolutely did but go ahead and say what you're gonna say I was I just I guess I just remember being young and just acknowledging that I was poor and my family didn't have money for these things so never asking yeah, so I, 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 that I get, but I think like, you know, if I had to put my money down, I think it's like subtle things. So like how yeah. old, how old were you when your mom started using meth? Um, 
four or five, um, I guess my dad was, my dad was in and out of prison most of my life whenever I was younger. Um, they, both my parents started using, actually I was probably more like three. Okay. Um, so let me just ask you a question. We're not going to talk about you. We're going to talk about a three-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So what does a three-year-old do when they're hungry? Cry for food. Sure. Sometimes they cry. But even before that. Um, ask for food. Absolutely. Right? You go up yeah. to mommy and you say, mommy, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? And when you have a, a parent who has substance use, how do they respond to that request? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just remember my mom being... I, I, my grandparents were really involved, but I remember like during this time, whenever I was very young, just like my mom being incapacitated, I guess, you know, like, you know, having the highs and then the lows where she would just like be asleep for days. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, I guess being very young and just like seeing my mom asleep and being like, well, she's not going to wake up. And, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Did you ever feel like you were bothering her? Yeah, definitely. Right? So, like, what does bothering mean? It means, um, Asking hey, for anything. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a fucking three-year-old, and I'm hungry, and oh, shit, I'm sorry to bother you, Mom, but can I have some food? Because that's how she made you feel. Because that's, like, that's what a three-year-old thinks. It's like, oh, I don't want, like, they just understand, like, so you get taught, like at the age of three, that your needs inconvenience other people. And then yeah. you feel selfish for needing stuff. And it's like baked so deep down, man. It's like wired, like, like literally I want you to think about this, Casey. A three-year-old's brain is building. It's like it has an architecture and Deep into the architecture of the way that your neurons is the idea that I am not allowed to have needs. Yeah, and I guess that's something that's kind of just echoed throughout my whole life. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and that's because you were wired that way. Right? Like, that's why they echo through your life. Because, like, literally, this is not, it's not psychological. It's, like, neurological. And so now, like, everything sort of makes sense. Oh, yeah, I watched the seven-year-old die of cancer, and I'm grateful, and I feel selfish. Like, what the fuck? Because that's the way you learned how to think about things. Right? Like, you learned, like, so the three-year-old isn't allowed to have needs. The 21-year-old isn't allowed to have needs. The 25-year-old isn't allowed to have needs because your mom is using meth and your brother has autism. There's no room. And like, we got this like 30 minutes in, right? Yeah. You talk about the impact to everyone else. Where are you? You don't deserve a place in your own story. Yeah. There's no space for you. Even now, when we talk about what are you worried about, it has nothing to do with yourself. It's like, what if I can't support my family? There's no room for you. 
And, and like, you know, when it comes back to like blame and being angry at your mom and stuff like that, like in order for you to be angry at your mom, you have to be a part of the equation. There's no room for that. There's yeah. only, she did the best that she could and let's give her a pass, which is fine. Like, I think it's good. I, I, you know, I don't, in a sense, like, I think, you know, people who suffer from addiction, they have a disease too. Unclear what her upbringing was like. She should get some slack. We should be compassionate. And yeah. you should be a part of the equation. I guess I'm just like, I don't even know how to, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, I just don't even know how to start. Yeah. Cause it, and that too is like, not your fault because I just think about this. Like, like you're like a three-year-old and I'm, you gotta let me know if I'm making you feel like an asshole or bad. Okay. No, you're fine. So like, I just want you to think about a three-year-old who like was never taught language. And then they find themselves at 25 and they're like, I don't know how to learn language. And you're damn right. Because you weren't taught, like this stuff gets taught really, really, really early and it gets taught completely subconsciously. Parents don't try to teach it. It's just how kids learn. Like kids just learn stuff that is never taught to them. Right? And my right. kid has been doing this thing recently where she'll come up to me and she'll go like this. And like, I didn't teach her how to do that. I didn't be like, okay, hold up your hand like a claw and try to scare me. Like she just picks that up. They just pick it up. And, and unfortunately, Casey, it's going to be a long road and it's going to be confusing. It's almost more like rehab, like not yeah. like drug rehab, but like, like, it's like you have to rehabilitate like some of your emotional centers and your sense of self. And you can, uh, uh -huh. I, I was, that's, I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes I just feel myself like even like just doubting my own emotions i guess yeah I, I don't know like it's yeah of course because you've been pushing them aside your entire life right like how did you yeah. do that when you were 21 you don't think you could do that again yeah because like your survival mechanism is to like discount and invalidate your emotions and it's a damn good one and i'm glad you did it because i think that's why your family is still in the position that it's in if it weren't for you, I can't imagine what would have happened to your brother. Yeah. And so now the question, here's the real thing. And I don't know, I, I don't think you know how to do this, but can you be you for yourself? I don't know. I guess it's just hard to even know what that looks like. Absolutely. Because it's fucking weird. Yeah. Right? Like. Can you protect yourself? Can you look out for yourself? Like, it's hard. I don't even know. Like, in your case, I don't even know where to start. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, see, I see what needs to happen. I'm not quite sure where to begin. But I, I think we've already begun. It's, it's yeah. kind of the acknowledgement and understanding that, like, you know, you don't have... In the hierarchy of what you care about, you're, it's not myself. I'm yeah. one of the lower. Yeah. It, beautiful, right? So that's how it starts. You finish the sentence that I start. And once you're able to do that, that means you understand. Right? And we're not saying, and I'm not advocating that you should be number one, and I don't think you're the kind of person that can ever be number one in your life. Right. But can we guess, eat? Yeah. I was just going to say I was... I don't know, like I was thinking about it yesterday and I feel like that's just what I am. Like that's what I'm used to being. I'm used yep. to being a 
provider, a protector. Sure. You know, it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to think of myself being a different way, I guess. Or I guess like putting those guards down and not being that for my family scares me. Yeah. So oddly enough, I don't think that that's what you have to do. So I'm not saying, because I think you are a provider. I think you are a protector. I think you have a duty or dharma or responsibility to your family. And I think abandoning that would destroy you as a person. That's what's kept yeah. you alive. And so if people are curious about dharma, this is what dharma looks like. How are you able to survive all of this terrible stuff? It's because of your duty to your responsibility to your family. What I'm asking for is, can you, can you stick yourself in the top 10? It's not even top five, top 10. So there's mom, there's brother, maybe a romantic relationship, two beagles. Can yeah. you give yourself number six or number seven? Yeah. I guess, I'm, like I said, it's just like hard to know like what that looks like. Like, what are the small steps that I can take to do that? Okay, great question. I just don't even know how. So I don't there... know, like, I'll do things, like, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, I'll spoil myself a lot. Like, I'll go shopping and, you know, before Christmas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> your, your dogs protest. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I guess I'll, you know, like, I'll take myself shopping or get my hair done or whatever. But I guess just all material things. Uh-huh. Um. I guess I just don't know how to, aside from materialistically, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's tricky. Um, I, I think uh, conversations like this are actually like a big step forward, right? So giving your space, the giving yourself the time and space to think about yourself, because I don't even know if you let yourself do that, right? <laughs> I'm having a dryer delivered, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, what were you saying, though? No, I was saying that uh, conversations like this are a great place to start. <laughs> Scout, stop. She won't listen. That's um, okay. I'm just used to barking all the time. Um, hmm? It's not the only thing you're used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hold on, I'm gonna it's see if good. I can get her to stop. Yeah, take your time. Okay. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying? Um, I was saying that I, I think conversations like this are a good first step because like you're giving yourself space and time to think about yourself, right? Like you're doing something like you're doing this, like, who are you doing this for? Myself. Is this materialistic? No. Okay. So that's a step in the right direction, right? Because what we're saying is you need to do things for yourself that are not materialistic. So great. Good job. You've done it. High five. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the next thing that I would really, really encourage you to do is, is get 
really think about getting some kind of treatment or therapy? And how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't like I I have I have seen a psychiatrist, um, but I guess I haven't really like explored that aside from getting prescribed. Like I was prescribed Adderall for my ADHD, and then I also am prescribed Xanax, which I don't really like to take. Um, I don't know. Like I don't really, I don't really feel like I need to be medicated which i guess isn't the point of therapy right um yep the exact uh, opposite i don't know i i feel like i could definitely benefit from it i just i guess it's just fear of maybe not like what if i don't yep yeah so so that that's that's what we got to kind of tackle head on right because the issue here is that like, what if you don't, but like, this is the thing you only let yourself do it if it's going to work because you know, you're not worth trying things for. Do you see that? Like you can only do it if it's going to help. Like you, if, if there was something that could help your brother, you do it. Right. But if there's something that could help you, that's not good enough. It's not right. worth your time, your energy, your resources. If it could help, which is fine. Like if something could help your mom, you're all for it. Could help yeah. your dogs, you're all for it. Could help your brother, you're all for it. Could help you, not good enough. Yeah. And so that's what I would encourage you to really tackle and think through and just give yourself a space to work on yourself. And then you'll, you'll figure it out. Like I'm not worried about you, Casey. Bizarrely. Really? <laughs> Yeah. I think I, guess, for, yeah. I feel kind of relieved now, I guess. Like just in talking about it all and I feel like kind of I guess getting like a positive response. Not that I was expecting like anything bad. I just I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad you feel that way. Can I tell you why I'm not worried about you? I mean, I should yeah. be, but I'm not. Yeah. What I feel is not worry. I feel optimism. And here's the reason. So what games do you play, by the way? Do you play games? Um, I've been mostly playing Teamfight Tactics. <laughs> okay, so I'm not too familiar League with League of TFT. Legends. But so like, here's the thing, like, let's say you're playing team fight. Um, yeah, I can't, I don't have a good analogy there. So I'm just going to make my point. Um, so like, here's the thing, like you were dealt a pretty shitty hand in life and yet ended up okay. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'm way more optimistic. Like what worries me is when people are given a great hand in life and they end up in a bad place. Because I think like in your case, you just need to you just need like a little bit of support and a little bit of tools and like you're gonna you're gonna fly because if yeah. you can get through what you've gotten through and be the person that you are today boy it's like it's like you're you know you're playing a competitive game with a potato pc on satellite internet and you're still crushing noobs and it's like if we give you an actual computer and take the lag off it's going to be terrifying what you're capable of because that's what I see. And and if you can just help yourself out a little bit, like it's going to be ridiculous. Because you've been playing life with a fucking handicap this whole time. 
And so what makes me optimistic is like, if we take off the handicap, like people are going to start whining and they're going to be asking the devs for a patch because you're crushing them so hard. Yeah. Sorry. I just like, I always just go back. Like, I don't know whenever you said that, like, I just always go back to like, my life wasn't that bad, yep. which, you know, like we've been talking about this whole time. It's just like such a, I don't know, is it, it's like a defense mechanism type thing. Yeah, defense mechanism know. type thing. I think that relates to the idea that like you having needs are selfish. Like you just yeah. discount yourself. Your life wasn't that bad. Okay, fine. I mean, so I, I'm, I think it's, uh, so this is the other thing is how do you move forward? You notice that, right? Like it's really, really a huge support. I cannot overemphasize how important the statement that you just made is. And you just have to trust me on that. To the just fact, acknowledge it. To see it. Yeah. Right. Because this is, you're saying, how do I change my mind? You start by understanding what the fuck is going on in there. That's you yeah. opening the hood of your car. And that's what makes me optimistic because you can notice, oh, there it is again. Like there's that pattern that pops up. Right. And like, if you want to know how to get rid of that pattern and change the pattern, the first thing that you have to do is see its action. Yeah. You have to notice it. Then you can start to change it. But noticing is where things start. I'm able to notice it, I guess. But yeah, like the changing it part is just like a whole other thing. Because I'm just like, how do I even? But I you guess, don't... like you were saying earlier, it's what did you say? It's more um, like neurological it's like, than psychological. It's neurological than psychological. Like it's like a like just like some circuit in my brain that's formed, right? Yeah. Like so, it's like how do I? It's like I have to retrain my brain. Casey, Casey. Okay, great. Now I'm excited. Okay. And apologies if that's inappropriate. Because oh, let me okay. tell you, let me tell you. So this is cool. So this is why I like neuroscience. So I'm going to yeah. say something that is going to hopefully blow your mind. Uh, I find it mind blowing. The way that you change your no neurons is actually noticing. There is overwhelming scientific evidence that changing your brain does not require intention. It requires attention. Literally to attention is what causes neuronal plasticity and frontal lobe development. That is the mechanism through which meditation works. So we have overwhelming evidence that meditation changes your brain. Like we know I've actually, that. I've actually started meditation recently. <laughs> um, I've, I've started doing meditation recently, like actually just like this past, like, couple of weeks i would say cool that's good for you i'm, I'm gonna get to that in a second but i'm an yeah. academic and when i get to talk about something that i know i like to keep yeah. plowing forward can i keep plowing yeah, forward? Go ahead. so i want to just say that like literally so casey you're wondering how do i change or what i'm telling you is you actually don't need to like literally what what studies of meditation show because in meditation no one is trying to change anything they're just observing themselves and what we see is that observing yourself actually rewires your brain. They don't have to try to change anything. And that's why meditation works so well, because it doesn't sort of matter what your problem is. It doesn't matter who you are. Just noticing it is sufficient for change. And if you kind of think about it, like you can see that principle in other places because like, you know, sometimes you'll be like, oh, why do I do this? And then you'll have like this light bulb go off and you're like, oh, that's why I do it. And then you stop doing it. 
I never realized dot, 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 that drinking water makes me feel good. And then like one day people wake up and they're like, oh, I realized that drinking water is good for me. And then I started drinking water. And then you ask people like, how did you start drinking water? They're like, I don't know. I just sort of realized it one day. It's weird. Does that make sense? Like you ever just like realized something and then sort of like started doing it? Yeah. But I guess I just like, it just made me think like how I've kind of like came to this realize realization that I, um, you know, set my feelings aside a lot, or I don't allow myself to acknowledge my own feelings. And I feel like I have came to that realization and maybe it's not changing that much, or maybe it is, and it's just changing very slowly. Okay, Casey. So let me ask you a question. Do you think coming, when did you come to that realization? Um, I would, I, I think it's been fairly recent, like I would say six months. Okay. So do you think that has anything to do with you coming on stream today? Um, Yeah. So that's how change happens. So you have one realization and that allows you to take the next step, which then allows you to take the next step. And you're looking at the top of Mount Everest and you're saying each step that I take doesn't seem to be moving me towards my destination because I have 30,000 feet to climb and I have now moved up two inches. It doesn't seem to be making a difference, but that's literally how change happens. Yeah. One step at a time. It's the only way to do it. And so just keep going on the path that you're on and you will be amazed at where you end up. Only way it can happen. Can't rush it. There's no magic bullet. There certainly ain't a pill. You're saying, how do I take care of yourself? Like you realized something six months ago. Why did you realize it six months ago? Because you spent the time thinking about yourself, which 10 years ago or eight years ago or seven years ago, you did not even give yourself the space in your mind to think about yourself. Yeah. That's a huge step. Then you have a realization. Then you come on stream. Then we have a conversation. Then you decide, oh, maybe I should do therapy. But like six years ago, you're like, ah, eh, I'm not worth it. Tiny, tiny steps. A house is built one brick at a time and no brick makes the house. It's weird. Yeah. Like if I lay two bricks, am I building a house? Yeah. Really? Because I just see two bricks. Where's the house? Show me. I don't know. I guess you're. St I was just thinking you're starting to build a house. But I'm where's sorry. the house? I'm just like so anxious and you know stressed out. Like my mind's racing. It's okay. Sorry about that, I'm Casey. But to... your your answer is actually the right answer because it's the wrong answer. I'm sorry if I'm I'm freaking you out. Yeah. But like, cause it's exactly right. Is it the house? Sure, you're starting, but it's not the house yet. It sort of is, and it sort of isn't. And that's what your growth is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I ask people questions and sometimes it makes them feel self-conscious. Is that why? No, I just, like I said, I just, like I'm, I'm happy. Like, I feel like I'm having like a lot of realizations and stuff that you have said, you know, that's made sense to me. And it's just like, it's, it, you know, like you've just said, like a few things that have really I don't know I guess kind of dropped a bomb on me I guess and it's just like trying to process it all at sure. once right like I've yeah, been well. trying to write down notes and stuff but <sighs> yeah I understand it's, that there are these yeah yeah so I I yeah I can I can see that it's overwhelming and yeah. um 
I'm not sure if I should say I'm sorry or you're welcome. No, it's fine. Um, no, it's been really helpful. Can you um, just help me understand what has been, like, what you realized? Um, I guess, you know, like I said, I have kind of been coming to this realization that I, um, you know, set aside my own feelings and needs a lot in you know, like I have a lot of self-doubt and just hearing it from somebody else is like, okay, you know, it kind of makes it more real. Like, oh, maybe I wasn't just thinking this. Maybe it's true. I, you know, um, yeah. Certainly sounds true to me. Yeah. So, so actually that's it, right? So there you did it. You did it. Yeah. You validated, you validated your feelings just then. I just realized that. That's pretty cool. You see that? I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of abstract. but like, Did I? E yeah, like just in that acknowledgement that sometimes you don't acknowledge yourself, you're acknowledging yourself. Yeah. It's weird. It's kind of like Inception, but anyway. Uh, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> see, you did it. And you're like, how do I change? And the short answer is, I don't know, but just keep doing what you're doing. And I think you'll, you'll be good. Yeah. Do you have questions for me, Casey? Um, I guess one of the other things that I wanted, I don't know, like, <laughs> I talked about my marijuana use and sometimes like my chat can just get, cause I do smoke too much. Like, and I guess I acknowledge that I need to cut back, but I'm like, do I have an addiction problem you know like I do like both of my parents have addiction issues I'm like is uh, I don't know I don't know but then it's really easy for me to just be like oh marijuana isn't a big deal you, you know like I'm I grew up around marijuana my whole life like my mom smoked marijuana in front of me my whole life and did way worse shit and I guess like I feel like to a certain degree like oh if the worst thing that I do is smoke weed you know, like, that's pretty good for me, considering. Um, but I don't know, like, I guess, I don't want to, because, you know, you don't know, like, the full thing, I guess. But do you think that I have an issue with addiction to marijuana? I, I know that sounds so stupid, but, like, sometimes, like, I, I don't know if they're joking Casey, or if it's do you, serious. Do you think or... you have an issue with marijuana? I don't know. Like, I think I smoke too much, but I just don't even think that it's that bad. Okay. So I think I can get behind that. So do I think you have an issue with marijuana? Yes. Because you think you have an issue with marijuana. Yeah. You think you have an issue with marijuana. It's just not a very big issue. That's what I'm hearing from you. Is that a fair representation? Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. So yeah. here's what I'll say about marijuana and substances in general, okay? Yeah. So I think that, like you said, you kind of, you, it sounds like you have medical marijuana and that a lot of people self-medicate. And I, do I think that that's a problem? Absolutely. But I think that cutting back is not a solution. It's a consequence. And if you want to cut back on your marijuana use, you have to deal with the reasons why you reach for it in the first place. 
So if there's one thing that I've understand understood as an addiction psychiatrist, it's that telling someone to stop drinking alcohol is not enough. You have to get to why they drink alcohol in the first place. And in your case, I think that you should reduce your marijuana consumption. Absolutely. Even try without smoking for like six months and just see what that does to your brain, because I think you're going to be surprised. Yeah. And, but that starts with like recognizing that the reason that you smoke is because all the shit that we're talking about to begin with the anxiety, which is really, which started as the seed of trauma, which grew into the plant of anxiety in which you don't really see the, the, the seed there anymore. And so you got to deal with all that crap because like, as long as that stuff is going on, you said, I don't know how I survived. The way that you survived is through coping mechanisms. Yeah. And that includes things like marijuana. Yeah. I guess I never, I never even started smoking marijuana until 2014. I was Mm -hmm. one of those people. I was always really, really afraid. I never drank. I never did drugs because, you know, I saw what it did to my parents and I was genuinely afraid of it. And my sister was always kind of more of the black sheep, I guess, of the family. And she, um, you know, one night we were hanging out and she was just, you know, she got really excited because I was like, I want to try it. And I tried it. And I just remember during that time, I was, you know, it was really terrible time. And I just remember like whenever I smoked it being like the first time where I was like happy and giggly and you know like in a while and I guess maybe that's why I've like really taken to it so much because like you said it was a coping mechanism during that time yeah so I I think Um, yeah sorry oh go ahead so so Casey that makes a lot of sense to me and that's what I tend to hear right and so the solution there is not to just stop the marijuana and let the awfulness of life come rushing back. The solution there is to learn how to be happy and giggly without it, because then you won't need it anymore. Yeah. And I I think that there is a real problem where people start to become, that becomes their source of happy giggly. And then it's like, that doesn't sound healthy to me at all. Like I I think what I really advocate for is for people to like, you know, process your emotions deal with your anger, blame your parents, what have you, and then get past that stuff. And then like, be able to enjoy life for what life has to offer, because life is really amazing. It's really awful. And it's really amazing. And that those two don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I would love it. I think the real solution that I want for you is to live a life where you don't need marijuana to be happy and giggly. Yeah. I guess you, the idea of getting, like, I don't know, the idea of, like, not doing marijuana completely, I just, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't like. Of course like, you I, don't like it. I enjoy smoking, of you know, it's you like, uh, like, is it bad to think, like, oh, I never want to not, like, no, I never want to have a life where I don't? No, of course not. <laughs> it's completely good. It's an ordinary it's just, thought. It's an understandable then, thought. How, like, how do you know? Like, I guess it's just in everything in moderation type thing. 
And I guess I know that I'm not moderating it very well right now. How do I know that sounds like a problem. moderating it well? Okay, how do you know that you're not moderating it well? Because I smoke too much. <laughs> but how do you know that? You're asking me, how do I know when it's an okay amount? Honestly, and I'm... I'm actually, I actually don't, I'm actually prescribed like Casey? four ounces nope, a nope, month. Nope, I nope, none up. of that shit matters. Let me, <laughs> yeah. your answer is in your question. You said, how do I know when it's okay? And then my question to you is, uh, my answer is the same way that you know it's not okay. Because you know it's not okay. We've heard you say it's not okay like a thousand times. Yeah. So whenever that sense of you tells you, hey, this is okay, that's when you'll know it's okay. Yeah. You know. And how much you've been prescribed has nothing to do with whether it's an okay amount or not. <laughs> if you want to talk about a fucking cop-out, I don't think you copped out until this moment. This is a cop-out. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you have to give it up today. I'm not asking you to give it up today. I'm yeah. saying that I think in my experience, I think it's worth, and even then I didn't say give it up forever. I'd say take a break for, for, from it for a couple months. And what I said is see how you feel. Yeah. Now, if you have trouble doing that, then that also is concerning, right? Like if I want to say like, hey, I want to take a break from meat for a couple of months. Like I think it's important to be able to Try things in your life to see if they're going to help you feel better and if your life is better. I'm not asking you to make a commitment, but I mean, you're asking me, do I think you have a problem? And the answer is damn right. I think you have a problem. And what do I base that on? It's because you think you have a problem and you yeah. know more, way more about you than I do. Like, I, I mean, I just met you like an hour ago. What the fuck right. do I know? I guess, I guess I can acknowledge I have, like I said, like I acknowledge that I've been smoking way too much. And I can acknowledge that I have a problem. I just, I guess I'm just like, I don't really care to do anything about it. And I, I don't know, like, I, I guess I'm just like. So that's, that's fine, Casey. I, I don't think you should do anything about it right now. Yeah. Like, like, so, so here's what I want you to just notice for a second. Okay. That you have a compass. And this compass is telling you, hey, this is a problem, but I can't deal with this shit right now. That's yeah. what I'm hearing your compass tell you. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that 100%. So I can say, sure, this is a problem and you have bigger fish to fry because, by the way, you have bigger fish to fry. You've lived a life in an abusive household with an asshole stepfather and a mother who's suffered from substance use, and you've learned how to invalidate yourself. That's what we've been talking about, and that's what I think you should focus on. I yeah. think the marijuana is going to be a piece of that down the road, but I think it is completely idiotic to ask you to, like, cut back or... I mean, I guess you could. we can ask you to try to cut back and see how that goes, but I don't think yeah. it's reasonable for you to stop because, like I said earlier, the real solution to substance use is to not need the shit to begin with. And that's where the real healing happens. I don't think that forcing yourself to stop smoking pot and then having a life that's miserable every day is like, that's not the goal. That doesn't sound good to me. The way that I get people off of substances is by helping them build a life where they don't need them. And then if you want to use it, go for it. But you shouldn't be dependent on it. That I just personally as a value system I don't like being dependent on something. I don't like being in control of my life. And I don't like 
I want to help people be in fucking control of your life. Make a choice. Don't make it a dependency. Don't make it a necessity. Make it a choice. And that's what I would advocate for you. And then once you are in a place where you can make a choice, then you make the choice. And it's your choice to make. And I may judge you for it. Other people may judge you for it. But like, let it be your free choice without a psychological dependence, without a neurological dependence. Be free to choose what you want to do with your life, whether that be marijuana, marriage, having kids, living alone, traveling, whatever. Live the life that you want to live and give yourself the benefit of choice. Yeah. Oh, this, this really has been really helpful. Like I said, like, I feel like this is, you know, kind of like a starting off point for me. Um, and I, I don't know, like I'm scared to get into therapy, but I guess I'm ready for it. Um, you should be scared. What? I don't know. Like, I guess I'm kind of like, what does therapy even like look like for someone like me? Like in the position that I'm in, like if I did like go that route, like what does that route like entail? Um, like okay. how often am I going to have to go? Like, how are you, how often are you going to have to go? You're not, ha you don't have to go at all. Yeah. Right. right. So that even gives us a clue as to what's in your head. You're thinking about a commitment. You're not laying a brick. You're building a house. What I'm asking you to do, Casey, is lay one brick. Go to one session. Lay a couple. Give it like, I'd, I'd give it like a month or two. And then yeah. what do you do? I'm not even sure. I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't. Because when I do therapy with someone, like I don't have a preconceived notion of like, the whole point is that it takes time to figure out what someone needs. It's going to take time for you to figure out what you need. But my sense is that it's going to be a place. So here's what I think would be helpful about it. Here's the only treatment benefit that I can really see right now. It's going to be the one place in your life where you are at the top of the list for one hour a week. Guaranteed. No one else is at the top of the list except for you for yeah. one hour of your life every week, which is not that much. And I think you can, oh, you can buy yourself one hour a week because yeah. a therapist is going to do their job, which is putting you at the top of the list. And you're asking yourself, you're asking me, how do I put myself on the list? Well, you go to therapy so they, you see how someone else does it for you. And then you learn how to do it yourself. It's just like learning anything else. Like, if how do my kids learn how to butter bread? It's like, I'm like, okay, this is how you butter bread. So for one hour a week, you're going to go to a place where you're going to come first. And then you're going to see how they do it. And because you're fucking smart, you're going to learn how to do it. Just by yeah. watching. Because that's how we learn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking? Um, I don't know. Like, I guess I, I feel really positive right now. Um, I just, I overall feel really positive. Like, I feel like this has been really helpful to me. I feel like in some ways you kind of like, I, I guess, like, gave me confirmation of something that I already knew, but I just needed to hear from somebody else. Sure. Um, but, 
yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm excited, I guess. Cool. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Do you have any of the darker feelings? Concern, fear? Um, yeah, I guess but... I have concern and fear, but like, I, f I feel like it'll be okay. So I'm not super worried about those. Great. That sounds very, very healthy to me. Yeah. I would be concerned if you're all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Because I think that you should be afraid. You should be concerned. You should be worried that this may not work out, that you may not be able to do it, that it may not be helpful, that you may be unsolvable, and that your problems are so bad that nothing will ever help. Those are good feelings to have. Yeah. And just let them have their space, and you don't have to be controlled by them. Okay, so any last thoughts, questions? Um, not really that I can think of now. Like, I feel like I have a lot to think about, yeah. you know? Good. Um, and I'm ready to just kind of take it all in, you know? <laughs> yeah, so the last thing that I'll say is that sometimes I teach people how to meditate on stream. I think this is um, another... Yeah. I I guess that's, like I said, I started meditating or trying to meditate recently. And I have to say, like, at first, it just feels really dumb. Like, I feel really dumb doing it or okay. trying to do it, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and when you say at first, so are you over that hump? Or are you still in the I feel dumb doing it hump? Um, I'm maybe in between. Like, sometimes I feel less dumb than other times. Is it normal to feel that way? Absolutely. By the way, that okay. feeling never really goes away. I still sometimes feel dumb when I meditate. It's just part of it. That's actually part of yeah. the process, is feeling <laughs> dumb. And, and it, 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 that's actually why I think meditation is so good, because, you know, when you get used to feeling dumb, your life gets a lot easier. When you let yourself feel incompetent, and you're okay with feeling incompetent, and you don't let the incompetence restrict what you do and you can go and you can sit with yourself being dumb and you can let yourself being dumb world becomes a completely different place. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you meditate or do you want to learn a diff different technique today? Um, are you kind I, of white? I guess I've been like, there's a few different things that I've tried to do right because there's no right way to do it I yep. guess like I've been listening to a few different podcasts and stuff about it and one of the ideas that I liked was just trying to um put yourself like in a mindset or a space where there is limitless doubt um or you know there is no doubt and I really liked that thought, just like trying to, you know, think about how my life would be like if I didn't doubt myself. Mm -hmm. um, this one's really dumb. But one of the other things that I'll do is I'll just try to think of a word like. Um, um, 
I don't know. Like, I'll just think of a word like um, emotion and I'll just like repeatedly say it in my head until it feels like it doesn't have a meaning anymore. Does that sound stupid? No, that's actually called Jaffa. <laughs> what is that there's called? A sun, there's a Sanskrit word for that. There's a Sanskrit practice, a meditative oh. practice that you've discovered all by your lonesome. Okay. <laughs> so it's the very opposite of stupid. It's actually brilliant. <laughs> Weird, huh? I, yeah. Um, How do you feel when but, I say that? I don't know. I was just laughing. It's kind of, I don't know if it's inappropriate to say, but I had that. I, I microdosed a little bit of mushrooms like a couple weeks ago. And that's whenever I had that kind of moment. Sure. That's, um, that's also completely makes sense because meditative practices are developed yeah. by people who are in a different state of consciousness and mushrooms, MDMA, psilocybin are ways that people can sort of like, you know, take the fast lane to some of those spaces. The problem is you don't really yeah. know what you're getting when you do that. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you want to learn something today or you feel, cause I, I think especially after like sessions like this, I, I don't think, uh, or streams like this, that I don't think that you necessarily need to meditate. Sometimes it's just good to sit alone with your thoughts. But if you want to learn something, I can teach you something. I'm open to learning something. Okay, so then sit up straight. Okay. Okay. So, good. So you're looking at me? Is this? Yeah. Okay, good. So when you look at, so I, we're going to have a little conversation. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and do some other stuff. Okay. So like, okay. Let's start with this. So Casey, something's wrong with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, let's just think about like, what are some of the things that are wrong with you? We're not trying to like talk about, I'm just saying like, let's just acknowledge or notice. Like, what are some of the things that are wrong with you? Um, trauma. Sure. Um, Good. Um, I guess maybe sense of self-value. Great. Um, Anxiety. Sure. Um, um, I don't know. Okay, great. It's hard that's to good think enough. about them for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's perfect. Okay, so now I want you to sit up straight, back straight. Is your back straight? Yeah. Okay, good. Sit up straight, close your eyes. I want you to actually take your take your hands. Look, look at me. Do this. Do one palm inside right palm inside the left palm, like laying on top. Yeah, perfect. Put your thumbs together. Great. And then put this in your lap. Yeah. Face up. Looks like you turned them down. So they're like facing. Nope, other way. Okay. Yep. There you go. Okay. All right. So this is Bhairava Mudra, which is a hand thing. Don't worry about it. Close mm -hmm. your eyes. And now. I want you to find, so just let's start with a breath. Good. I want you to notice the cool air going in. Nose, not mouth. Okay. It's okay to smile. Okay to laugh. Okay to feel silly. No big deal. 
feeling giggly yet? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So just focus on your breath. Feel it coming into your chest. And out. Y'all can do this at home too. So think about some things that are wrong with you. Okay, good. Head straight. Your spine should be straight. Yeah. Nope. Straight. Force it. Feel the discomfort. No hunching. Good. Return to your breath. If your breath is hard to hold on to, focus on the sensations in your hands. Feel the weight of one hand on the other. Feel the sensation of the skin on skin. Touch your thumb tips together and feel your thumbs touching each other. And now in this place, Casey, find your trauma. Where is it? And now we're going to move on. So we're not going to get lost in it. Now look for your invalidation of self. Can you find that? Where is that? Tell me. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I guess I just see it in like a lot of different aspects of my life. Like, Ah, like good. I invalidate, um, you know, like my mourning process, I guess. Like I invalidate. Okay, 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 okay. So pause for a second. Head up straight, spine straight. Good. Now, eyes closed. Good. Okay. So those are thoughts. Those are recollections of the invalidation. In this moment, tell me where the invalidation exists within you. I guess, I don't know, my mind. Um, Does it exist? Because your mind thinks about the past. I'm asking you in the now, where is the invalidation? Breath through the nose. Head up straight. Good. Deep breath in and out. And look for it in this moment. Try to find it. Try to pick it up. You can focus on your hands, focus on your breath. Find the invalidation. Feel the person that you are right now. Feel your weight in the chair. Feel the tears on your cheeks. Feel the tension in your body. Breathe in. Expand and relax. Good. 
Now let your shoulders go ahead and take a breath, but don't move your shoulders. And there's a fly <laughs> on your face. <laughs> okay, good. So now I'm going to ask you, where's the invalidation? Um... I, I don't know. I guess it... <sighs> I don't know. I guess I don't understand. Like, can you rephrase? Nope. I'm not going to rephrase. So I think the problem is that I'm asking a question to which I think you have the answer, but I don't think you think you have the answer. So I think yeah. the reason that you can't find it is because it's not really there. Because yeah. you can find the invalidation when you think about the past and when you think about the ways that you treat yourself. But when you stop and you're still and you're in this moment, it actually doesn't exist. It's a trick okay. question. Okay. And the fact that you can't come up with an answer, I'm so glad you didn't come up with some bullshit answer because it's, it's hard when you're on stream to like not come up with the right answer. But if right. you really stop and look at yourself, like, could you find it? No. So just think about that for a second. That whenever you invalidate yourself, you have within you the capacity to enter a state of being where that invalidation no longer exists. You do it every morning in your routine, fine. But if you can do what you just did, if you can put yourself in that same state in your morning routine, it won't be able to exist there either. Invalidation comes from the mind. Yeah. And it's the looking that you do that's not actually mental activity. That's consciousness. It's attention. It's attention without thought. And if you can go there, I don't know if this is making sense or not, but I, I think you yeah. did it right. Because if you ask me, can I rephrase, that actually means you're doing it right. Because you're looking for an answer and you're not able to find one. And that's actually the answer. There's no such thing as invalidation. So now my last question for you is, I don't know if you remember this, but when you think about the person that you were, let's say... 90 seconds ago, what was wrong with you? Um, like whenever I was thinking about, um, when you were breathing and feeling the tears go down your face, yeah, what was wrong with you? Um, I guess I was just thinking a lot about. Um, whenever Ricky passed away. Okay. So and I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. So that too, once again, is thinking. That's not actually you. Those are thoughts. Stay with me. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be hard. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to close your eyes and focus fully on the sensation. There's a tear going down your right cheek in this moment. If we're mm -hmm. lucky, the fly is going to come back and he's going to land <laughs> on your face. Yeah. And if he does, I don't want you to move him. There he is. 
right on time. He's coming. Coming for you. Okay, we'll see if he helps out. He's really here to help. And I want you to just focus on the sensation of wetness on your face. What's wrong with you right now? And I'm not talking about thoughts. I'm not talking, I'm talking about in this moment, if this is all you knew of your entire life, what would you know about this person? If you were this thing all for every day for the rest of your life, what would be wrong with you? I'm not talking about the past. I'm not talking about the future. I'm not talking about your worries. I'm not talking about you failing to support your family. I'm talking about this thing that you are right now. What is this? Who are you? And what's wrong with it? Not focusing on feelings at all. Okay. What are you focusing um, on? I don't know. Like, I guess... Can I focus on feelings? Because I just like feel like, I don't know, like, I guess I just feel kind of heartbroken. Okay. In a way. Good. Okay. So, Casey, this is what you've got to do. Good job. There. Nope. See, so you screwed it up again. <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. Come, coming for you. Okay. Try. All right. So, yeah, that's actually a really interesting meditation technique. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, like sometimes Indian people have a dot on their forehead. Yeah. You ever seen that before? You know why yeah. they do that? Is it for the fly? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, kind what? of. I, I, honestly, sort of. I so, just thought that's what you're going to say. Since... Yep. Yep. You're, you're damn right. It's what I'm going to say. So interestingly enough, it's to bring your, the t attention of your mind to a physical sensation on your forehead. It's to focus the attention of your mind. It's basically putting an artificial fly on one spot in your forehead. Yeah. I shit you not. Meditation is so hard. It's very hard. It's so hard. So the only thing that's hard about it is if you beat yourself up for not doing it right, because what you did was great. So what I'm hearing from you is that when you meditate, and this happens with people with trauma, stuff is coming up. And then what happens, the reason you call meditation hard is because you think you should do something instead of let that stuff come up. But just let it come up, feel heartbroken for a little while, and then let yourself not feel that way. Return to your breath, return to tears, you know, grab a fly, go stand in the sun. I don't know where you live. I don't know how hot it is. Feel the sun on your face, put your feet in water. Drink something cold. Take something cold and put it around the back of your neck. Take something warm and put it around the back of your neck. When you meditate, Casey, it's going to take you a long time to meditate, right? But that's not wrong. You have to, you just need to let this shit out and then eventually you'll come to a place. And I think you got there a little bit today, but I, what I'm getting from you is that like anytime you stop the defense mechanisms of your mind, the heartbreak arises. And what I want yeah. you, what I want you to envision is like, what happens when a bubble reaches the surface? Um, I don't know what pops even. Shows. Absolutely. 
So right now you have all of these bubbles within you and you just need to let them come to the surface and they'll pop and disappear. And then you'll be left with still water. Because right now your water is not still, it's roiling with lots and lots of bubbles and movement and agitation. It's going to come up a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time. And as much as you can, let yourself let it come up. But also, for the love of God, do not beat the shit out of yourself for not being able to meditate properly because you're, you can't meditate properly, and that's the way it's supposed to be for you right now. Okay. You'll meditate properly. Like, you can't force... What happens if I have a bubble underwater that's slowly coming up and I stick my hand in and try to get rid of it? What happens to it? It goes back down. Yeah, right? Like, if I'm going to create more bubbles if I stick my hand in. Like, how do I get water to be still? No, if I have waves in my bathtub and I go and I like try to force the waves down with my hands, what's going to happen? It's just going to cause more waves. Absolutely. So when you say you can't meditate, right, the solution is not to try harder. It's to try less. Okay. Just let yourself sit. Let that shit come up. And it's not endless. This is the loan and this is the debt. You have an emotional debt that you've been racking up for years, which was absolutely necessary. And it's got to come up a little bit at a time. Sorry, I know you were feeling good, and then we started meditating. Now we're back to square one. Yeah, it's just, God, like, it's That's the right answer. That's the right answer. That's awareness. That's why I'm optimistic. Because, sure, it hurts, but not forever. When you say, God, there's a lot, that's right. Because so much during today... I don't know how to say this, Casey, but for so much of today, you have said the exact opposite. Yeah. You have not acknowledged how much there is. You have invalidated. And you say, how do I learn how to validate? I don't know how the fuck you did that, but you just did it. God, yeah. there's a lot. That's absolutely right. I guess You're... I'm just like, now I'm like afraid. I'm like, is it too much? Absolutely. It is. It's just like, whenever I talk about it, it's just like, water works like i just can't help it is it too much for a single Sometimes. conversation absolutely <laughs> but you've been taking loans for how old are you now um 28 <laughs> you've been taking loans for at least 25 years and you haven't been making payments and when that's the way that you live your life, it can feel like the debt is insurmountable. But the second you start making payments, it, it turns completely around. And I think if you give yourself, honestly, it's going to take a couple of years for you to be like completely like kind of in a good place. Like I'd say like give yourself two years. Yeah. But I think by the time you turn 30, you could be, you could feel like a completely different person. I tell you, Casey, I've worked with people who have had trauma on the order of magnitude that you have. And whether you call that a lot or whether you call that a little, what I mean is that yeah. I've worked with people who've grown up in substance use, abusive households. And it is amazing if you just take care of yourself a little bit, because so far you haven't taken care of yourself at all. Yeah. And if you, if you give yourself the chance, you'll be amazed at what you're capable of. 
Yeah. Sorry to leave you in shambles. Okay. It's, we try to leave it's you okay. in good it's, note. I feel like it's just gonna be kind of a reality for me for a while, right? You're damn right it is. But that's the important statement. Beautifully said. It's going to be the reality for me for a while. Yeah. Because it is. But I can, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, not forever. Not yeah. forever. <sighs> Enough for today, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, I knew I was going to get really emotional. So. I, I don't consider it a problem. I think it's just enough yeah. for today. I don't blame yeah. you for saying it. I'm just saying, like, we got to parcel it out, right? Like, we're not going to wipe out your debt in one day. Right. Go do something fun. What are you going to do today? I, I'm probably going to go outside, do some yard work with my dogs. Perfect. You know, just try to relax a little. That is I the was absolute... about streaming, but I don't think I'm going to now. I think that that's a good idea. Do you want to know what I do after a stream like this? What? I go pull weeds. Really? I drive I, around I've for like 30 been getting minutes. getting into yard work, so. Yeah, I, I seriously, what I do is I drive around for 30 minutes, and then I, in the evening around like 6 or 7 p.m., I go outside with my kids, and like I, I literally, like they run around, and I pull weeds. It is the best thing you can possibly do. Be with your dogs. Yeah. Yard work sounds, I'm telling you. So sounds starting good. a garden is good because I've been working on starting a garden. Oh man, I love gardens. Yeah. You know, the Zen people love gardens so much, they make gardens without even any plants. Yeah. It's fucking weird. They make gardens out of sand and shit like that. But it's, it's great. Gardening's yeah. OP. It needs to be nerfed. Yeah. Um, okay. I really appreciate coming on and thank, thank you, you for so much on. for your time. <laughs> You're very welcome. You ready for the next triggering statement? Because I know yeah. you haven't had enough. You're worth it, Casey. Thank you. You're worth it. Um, I, I really appreciate it. It really has been really helpful. And I'm, I guess, looking forward to some of your resources to maybe start yep. getting into some therapy. Sure. So let me, um, you know, why don't you take today, but shoot me a DM on Twitter. I mean, on a, uh, on Discord or something. And, and we can have, I can walk you through stuff uh, yeah. specifically. And then in general, I, we need to do that for everyone else too. So we'll, we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a DLC about how Thank to find you. a therapist. Um, but in, yeah. the, in the meantime, you know, if you tell me what state you're in and, and we can talk about insurance and I can explain to you how all that shit works and we can try to get you connected. Okay. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thanks for Bye. coming on. Strong work. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. Intense. Good stuff, though. Good stuff. Man, she's going to... I hope she does okay. See, that's like, that's like when you spawn in a bad zone, but you've got super high stats. That's Casey. She's got like, she's a beast in terms of her stats. She just spawned in the wrong place. Hostile spawn, good stats. That's what that looks like. And, and so like, you know, you give her something besides a club 
and like rags. Give her some, you know, give her a great sword, give her some plate mail. Kicks, kick ass. She's got a bunch of these debuffs. So just think about this for a second. She's been, she's been living for 25 years with no healing. She just started with an HP pool and has been living through a game with like no healing and no support. And she's made it this far. Like her HP pool is ginormous. It's like her her just raw stats are so high that she's just been able to like. It's like one of these games where like you know she it's, it reminds me of this like FF seven remake thing where you like don't level up, right? She's like one of these people that's like never leveled up. She's like I'm gonna play the life on hard hard mode with no gear. It's like playing Dark Souls without resting at a bonfire. It's like we're just gonna do this the hard way without taking care of ourselves at all, and we're just gonna power the fuck through it. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty amazing that you were able to do that. And also, imagine what you did if you had this pile of XP and you actually leveled up from like 1 to level 68 and refilled your health bar. And then you're going to really kick ass. It's really cool. I mean, her situation is cool, but I, I respect her. Mad respect to Casey for coming on, talking about it. Um, yeah. So, on Friday, we have Michael Reeves. And, uh, we, and so thank you guys for coming. It's been fun. And, yeah, Michael Reeves Pog. And then we're going to be raiding, as I have been informed, we're going to raid Pooper Noodle. Which, I'm not entirely sure what that means. Because it's not poop noodle. Pooper is like a person. So we'll raid pooper noodle. 